Oh, no. It's everyone's favorite time of year. Happy MLS season, everybody. Thank you. Yeah, good. I'm glad. Emmett McConnell over there. Eric Alcantar here. Living closer together now than we did when I when we both went to grad school together. That is quite the amazing fact. Almost to the point where I can't believe it. It could be that it's not true, but uh, we're just going to pretend that it is. So, This isn't a geography podcast, okay? For all you people out there hoping to learn more about America. And it's Though a geography, geography podcast would be very interesting. You ever watch like real life lore on YouTube? I feel like no. we could. There's a market for that. Okay, so we're gonna change things up this time. We're just gonna start mapping out the different the distances between each team. There was a uh, okay. someone did make a map, an imperialism map of like the closest counties to each team. Oh, I love those things. They did one for college football. And now they're everywhere. Okay, well here's the thing. It's kind of silly. If you beat, is it? Okay, well, okay. Hear me out here. The last game of the year is the only one that matters. Because if you lose the last game of the year, you lose all of your territory. Shouldn't it make sense of like you win, you get half of the territory or something like that? You lose, you lose half. Because right, you could have fair. You could be at a point where you've won every game, you have all of the territory, and then you go up against Chicago and you say, "I'm not gonna play my starters because we need to, you know, rest them for the playoffs." And then you know, now Chicago Fire own all of America and Canada. I don't appreciate you using the fire as your example, but. I'm going to look past that and say that that is a fair assessment, though. To be honest, most of the teams that, you know, wind up fighting for the most land, even in like college football where no one ever gets to, you know, play for the national championship, generally wind up being the teams at like at the top. But my point is, okay, so say you like, like I made my point, actually. I don't know how to make it again. I know. Can you I, make it I for me? I know what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. Like, yeah, so all it takes is one fluke loss at the end and suddenly. But, like, how often are teams actually sitting players the last week of the season? And I'm being real here because the truth is we saw last season, we saw plenty of teams trying to go for the supporter shield. We had no idea who was going to be number one in the West going into the last day of the season. I don't expect that to change. Well, Orlando was kind of – some teams were kind of a mess at the end. Like Orlando yeah, was are. an absolute mess, and if you get if you got Orlando with the last day of the season, it was like, oh, okay, like not a guaranteed win, but see for no free land either though. Is what land is Orlando possibly going to have? True, so it doesn't even mean anything at that point. It's a lose lose situation. You either gain nothing or you lose everything. At the end of the first day, half which the is team, basically the MLS motto by the half way. Half the teams have no land. I think you're looking at this the wrong way. Eventually, it gets to a point where there's only, like, three teams that have land on any given day. Because it's not like college basketball where there's, like, 100 teams who compete. And it's like, oh, suddenly, you know, you know, Tennessee plays Old Miss, and then they play Villanova, and then they play every... And, like, there's all these... It's all spreading around. It's... I, I, I digress. Of co- I, I find your college choices interesting there. <laughs> I tried to pick a diverse selection, and I also picked two teams that played recently. I mean, the Old Miss coach was really sweaty, so that was the only reason I picked them. But that was the only thing. That, that's it. I'm done with the. I'm done with the imperialism thing. <laughs> we're, we're moving on. I think there's a massive uh, gap in thought there. Speaking of massive, think of all the distance. That Nico Gaetan's going to have to cover from going from China to the Chicago Fire reportedly using discretionary tan. The Fire have signed Nico Gaetan. So suddenly the Fire also have a pretty dynamic offense. Not that they didn't have one before. I'd been saying that I thought that this offense is going to be pretty good. This just kind of adds to it. But my real question is, can he play fullback? Because in case no one's noticed, the Fire still have like half a fullback on the roster and like one and a half center backs. Is you calling Schweinsteiger is this- short? Is that what this is about? Also, I'd like to, you know, hint at your subtle nod at our geography podcast, talking about how far he had to come from China. We'll get our producer on that. But uh, I, do you even want him playing at fullback? Doesn't he come in and, like, immediately no. become one of your most technical players and most accomplished? Most accomplished in terms of teams played for? Sure, but he hasn't really done a whole lot. I mean, he went from Benfica to, like, Atletico Madrid, if I remember correctly, and that didn't work. Then he went to China and has been complete garbage there. Okay, to be fair, Atletico's a demanding style. 
And a lot of people go to China and become garbage because it's like... Excuse me. Hang on a sec. Velko Panovic, Atletico Madrid man at heart. So you're saying the Chicago Fire are the Western Hemisphere's Atletico Madrid. They probably should try to be. If they can't, if they're not going to play anything, if they're not going to win a lot, they might as well hurt people while doing it. That's a good, know, I'm a, just saying about, good strategy. This but, is a good signing. Okay, he joins. I'm just going to throw some logic out there. You mentioned the good attack. He joins Nemanja Nikolic, won the Golden Boot two years ago. Uh, Alexander Katai, who was like the one bright spot on the offense last year. And Georgi Mihailovic, who's like the new future number 10 for the U.S. men's national team. So that's a good sign in my book. And that's a good attack. It is. I agree with that. And by the way, the producer's in my ear telling me that it is 7,000 miles from China to Chicago. See how interesting geography can be? I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Moving on. (laughs) The geography podcast moves. I'm I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I wasn't sure that you wanted me to go on to the next topic. Uh, The LA Galaxy. I just didn't know where to go on from there. Well, I mean, there's nothing more to you say. You could have ended I, the I podcast I, on that. Well, we'll talk more about Chicago later, I promise. So the LA Galaxy bought out Gio Dos Santos today, which is it feels like a long time coming. And we thought that this might happen. Of course, we didn't really know how LA was going to get down to 40 DPs. There was some talk that they might try to buy down uh, Alessandrini, but Alessandrini really wasn't interested in that, nor do I blame him for not being interested in that because that's really not fair for him. So... Congratulations to the Galaxy for finally getting rid of the dead weight that is Gio Dos Santos. But the real question for me is this. Which MLS team is going to be dumb enough to sign this guy? He's going to go the route of uh, Skelton Gashi, who we're going to talk about in about 15 seconds. Uh, or who is uh, that the Chicago Fire signed last year? Yura Movsisian? Another guy. Oh, dear God. Another guy who came in DP signing for a team that was so poorly run. Uh, I believe... He was at uh, Real Salt Lake, Gashi at Colorado, and that yeah, they poorly run, buying, sp- spending money really badly. Though he was a FIFA legend in 2015, and uh, that's that is that. I don't know. look at the Geo thing. I just whatever. We've been over this enough times. The guy's not very good. And I'm good for the Galaxy to get rid of that dead weight, although I have a feeling this means Jonathan will be right behind him soon enough. So we'll see. Speaking of that Skeleton Gashy guy that you would mentioned, he's out in Colorado. This guy was supposed to be a pretty big signing when he signed. So, boy, that fell off quick. Yep, just another one. Uh, bad signing that doesn't Hashtag pan out. only MLS 2.0 fans will remember. What are we on now? 13? Is that what I, you said? No, that was the NFL. Ah. Uh, I believe we are currently in the transition between MLS 3.0 and MLS 4.0. Well, here's real good news. I sp- you know I spilled earlier. Now my S key doesn't work. Oh, wow, that's unfortunate. Emmett spilled uh, unverified liquids on his laptop keyboard, so now his S key doesn't work. So I guess that means. Well, on the plus side, there's no S's in Philadelphia Union. Yes, yeah, so I can I can work around that. I'm just gonna use Z yeah. from now on. MLZ. Oh, Zlatan's going to be real happy about that. He'll, yeah, he'll owe me for that one. And finally, speaking of owing, we owe Nick Romando a big round of applause as Nick Romando will be calling it a career after this year, year 20 of his famous career that's seen him go, well, yeah, he was one of the top keepers in the league at one point, I'd say. He's, yeah. he's played for the U.S. Yeah. national team, and uh, he, he deserves playing into 40. He'll turn 40 this year, so... Yes. We're all very proud of him. Also, all one right, of the short goalies. Yes. So, there's that. Taking it for the little guy. We appreciate it. All right. So, the bit, the the business side of this podcast now. We have MLS season beginning tomorrow, and I believe the union are kicking us off tomorrow, right? Yep, and I will be there. So, look out for oh. me. Oh, my goodness. At 1 p.m. against Toronto FC, who have been disgraced out of the Champions League this week. I look forward to them destroying Philadelphia 5 nothing tomorrow. Getting their revenge. And Philly's not historically been great against Toronto, so I don't... Even last year lost both games, so... Expectations are low. <laughs> oh Quite goodness, low. Not, you reminding me of that is... Oh, that is terrible. I'm so sorry. Even the uh, Chicago Fire got a result. Yeah, well... 
Anyway, I guess we'll see how that goes. Anyway, we are going to talk about each conference, kind of talk about what we think is going to happen. We gave our predictions uh, when the last season kind of ended, and now we're here to give these right as the season's about to start again. And, well, of course, I'm sure things will change again as the season progresses and teams continue to sign players and make moves in the summer transfer window as well. So I'm going to go ahead and start. I think Atlanta wins the east this year we're starting the east by the way in case you couldn't figure that out another geography thing for you if you actually go far enough east you're actually going west that uh i I don't think that ever becomes true but okay i think you're wrong so anyway the reason i'm putting atlanta united one here is because i i just think that they under frank DeBoer, will figure things out and when they do they will be very hard to stop they have such a talented core of players and it looks like they're gonna hang out to darlington nagby so that's good right i did debate putting dc united here but i don't think they're gonna have the legs for it that's bold i think there's i think they're a solid squad i don't think they're good enough to chase down Atlanta. i think it will be I think there will be a pretty decent amount of distance between Atlanta United and DC United at one and two. Uh, I'm putting Red Bulls at three. I think they take a bit of a step back, but in the typical Red Bull fashion, they'll figure something out. And we already saw Sean Davis boss the midfield this week in the CONCACAF Champions League. So I imagine that they'll be just fine. Uh, Four for me, NYCFC. They're not one of my favorites. I can see them underperforming, but I do think that in terms of where they stand in the East, I just think that they still stand about a tier above where everyone else stands below them. Give me Columbus at five. I think spots five through nine are kind of wide open. Columbus here because I believe in Caleb Porter. Then I have Brad Friedel's New England at six. Just barely in front of Philly, whose offseason addition of Marco Fabian gets them in the playoffs, but just barely. Toronto looked awful in the CCL, so I've got him at eight. No. They looked bad, but remember that now until they get Pozuelo in the squad, their best player ranges from returning from injury, Josie Altidore, who'd also just got an extension, uh, the ever-present Michael Bradley and Terrence Moonshot Boyd. So I love that, that nickname. Oh, I, beautiful. I'm, I'm glad I could bring it to you. Finally, bring it down the stretch here. Montreal gets in right behind. Uh, Toronto, I just I, this squad is so thin. They have so little going on. I don't see them doing much this season. I do think they finished just above FC Cincinnati. I think they've done well to prepare themselves in their first MLS season, but I think they'll find it tough to win games with the little offense that they have. I know there's rumors of Kenny, Kenny Seth coming over from Europe. That, to me, would change things a little bit because I do think that he would be talented enough to kind of change the meta of their offense. But I'm not sold until he's here. Finally, give me the fire. Second to last, they're here because I until they prove to me that they are better than last season, I'm just gonna put them here. I know they've got a good offense, but it's like I was saying earlier, they have half a like one and a half center backs at any given time. They got about half a fullback right now. So I color me. I, I was gonna say optimistic, not optimistic. What's the what's the opposite of optimistic? Opposite optimist. I said the opposite. Pessimistic. That's what I said. Opposite op- optimist. Uh, oh, goodness. You're you're failing me here. This is well. We should have gone. I should have gone for the geography comparison. That could have been better. I don't know what that would have been though. So and finally, I have Orlando up the uh, finishing in the back. I just that team looks awful. I'm sorry. No reason to apologize, but you're so far off. Oh my! I was actually. I think uh, I agree with a lot of your points. Uh, I'm going Red Bulls first. I think under Armas they are a team. Even Atlanta uh, needed to play as individuals at times to get results, and I think the Red Bulls are just as good with Armas. Uh, the fact that they, as you know, before, or just as good without Adams, I should say, uh, and having the same defense as last year, which had 17 shutouts, helps. Uh, I think a full year under Armas now uh, will boost them once again to supporter shield. I think Atlanta will be less dominant under DeBoer. Um, his history just doesn't do it for me. He has some great ideas. He wants to play in a specific way, but it's a downgrade from Tata. Uh, I think Atlanta's going to start slow, especially with the CONCACAF Champions League, and pick it up. DC third, a strong team. I think they unseat New York City as the kind of the top three in the in the East. Uh, the defense isn't as sexy as the attack uh, as some, uh, you know, kind of like the Red Bulls. Uh, but you know, the the offense, I think, is getting a lot better. Like add Lucas Rodriguez, who I think is a step up from Assad, who wasn't great last year. Uh, and a few other things, and now they'll have Audi Field for a full season. And I say Audi, I mean Audi. I said that quite well the first time. Uh, I think they jumped into the top echelon this season uh, and become a tough team to beat. 
New York City then uh, fourth. I think the culture is going to crumble there. They lost Yanhel Herrera. That's the big one. David Villa, obviously, too. Here you go. Yanhel Herrera. When he was out, the team was 8-3. Sorry, 8-5 and 8. Okay? 8 wins, 8 losses, 5 draws. When he was in, they were 8-3-2, eight, 8 wins, 3 draws, 2 losses. That's a big difference. Yeah, Keaton Parks is going to have a lot to do because that's a that's a lot. It's a big ask for him. And we'll see about Mitch Rita, uh, you know, the, the new forward. I don't, I don't know if he's going to be the guy, but we'll see. They were, by the way, they were, they were great under Torrent. Uh, not under Torrent. They were four, four and six <laughs> under Torrent. They were great under Vieira. Losing Vieira was a problem. Uh, Montreal is then who I have next, finishing in fifth. They started 3-0 and 10, ended 11-4 and 6. I think Remy Gard has it figured out. Look what happens when an established coach has plenty of time. Defense is settled. They've added a forward in Maxi Rudy to help uh, Ignacio Piatti on the burden. I'm all aboard the Montreal back to the playoff strain. Then I have Philly in sixth. Ooh. You just boo me. I, you, I don't know what you're talking about. You're hearing things, dude. Keep right, going. Right, okay. Keep going. Philly added a new system. I don't think it's going to be pretty. I think, once again, they're going to start slowly. Um but they look inspired, and they look like they want to change and develop the league in a new way with the youth. So I think they're going to make the playoffs, but it'll be some growing pains. Then I have Columbus in seventh in the last playoff spot. Uh, I think the loss of Burhalter loses some magic. The stats of the team weren't great, uh, and I wonder where the goals are going to come from. They had 17 from, Vardis, from Zardes last year. I don't think that can be it. Pedro Santos needs to step up. Justin Merrim needs to return to form. Uh, I'm not sure it's going to save them, but it certainly could. Uh, they're... They might be in trouble. And then just below them, outside the playoffs, Cincinnati. I think they're Columbus 2.0. Defense first. They're going to grind out victories, not have great stats. Um, so it's going to hurt them in the end. I think they're going to realize how much they're going to need in a, you know, a focus on attacks. All MLS teams can score goals. It's tough to get shutouts. Uh, and I don't think they're good enough to get more than the 17 shutouts that the Red Bulls had last year. And then the fire, my dark horse, I think they could jump over the, the crew uh, into seventh. Uh, they have some decent pieces that could work. Um, obviously, with Gaetan in, they have four great attackers. Gaetan, Nikolic, golden boot winner two years ago. Katai was like the one good offensive piece last year. Georgi Mihailovic at 10 is like the new U.S., you know, future number 10. The, the worry, of course, as you mentioned, is defense. Uh, for me, it's Dax McCarty if he can return to form. Uh, he wasn't great last year, but the year before, he was uh, really, really important. So we'll see about that. And then Toronto, I think they just lost too much. Victor Vazquez and Sebastian Giovinco cannot be replaced by Terrence Boyd. Uh, the wide play has always been lacking. Did they ever really have wingers in that system? Uh, and, and so they have with two giant forwards in Josie Altor and Terrence Boyd, I'm wondering where the creativity is going to come from. They had Simon in the defense. People think that's a good pick, but I think he's a liability and him and Bradley are going to really slow things down. Um, I, I want to see how good Josie Altor and Jonathan Osorio is, are because Bradley is not a playmaker, and they cannot rely on him to create. Uh, and then I have the Revolution. Uh, they were poor in the preseason, and they claimed an elite player was coming. I didn't really see it. Uh, Fagunda, Diego Fagundes wanted to leave. Is he going to have a good year? <clears throat> and from what I've seen last year, Christian Panilla is like the only top-level MLS attacker they have. But Teal Benbury was one of their best attackers. I don't see him being just as effective. I think they're going to fall back to the form they were at last year. Of course, at the bottom that leaves Orlando. They have Nani, but man, they looked useless last year. Another chance this year to start again, but Clushin is aging. Is Josue Coleman going to step up and be the DP they think they are? Um, Dwyer had 13 goals last year. Maybe Nani turns him into a 15-goal player, but where else does he get the goals from? I don't think... He's going to outscore the Union's top goal scorer this year. Another CJ Sapong-style bet. And he's the only guy who's scoring goals. Maybe Nani will be. So, real worry there. Well, there you go. Well, that was certainly quite the town hall meeting. I'm glad that we've had it. I think that one of the only things that I would say to that, and think one of the things we varied on greatly was uh, where we had New England, right? I have New England getting in the playoffs. You have New England in the basement almost. I, I honestly believe that what Brad Friedel has going there has – maybe I'm just buying more into Friedel than I am into the players that they have because you're right about one thing. I don't. There's not a lot of like standout talent on that team, but they did add my one of my favorite fullbacks in MLS, Edgar Castillo. 
that he's a guy who is a liability defensively. You could have he, just left it at a guy. He only works in five back systems. Uh, ugh, I'm not sold. I'm not sold on a lot of that team. I was last year early on, uh, and then I think they kind of hit a wall. It's and to make a reference to episodes past. Uh, it, me having Montreal out of the playoffs isn't really so much of an indictment of what I think that the talent on their team is. I think it's more of an indictment on the fact that there's, I honestly think about eight good starting players on that team, and that's actually it. There, af, after those eight-ish players, that team is so thin and so badly constructed in terms of depth that I honestly think that Montreal is going to fail only because they're going to suffer injuries. And I, I that's usually a hard thing to kind of quantify and when you're doing something like this, but I genuinely don't think they make it to the end of the season with that roster currently assembled the way it is. It's just there's just so many unproven players that will have to play some real minutes. Uh yeah, that's that's definitely something they're going to have to face. Uh, I just look at how they started under guard. He had no idea what was happening and after that they picked it up. Uh, and all that really, See, but I, you know, they I, traded I, one attacker for another. Other than that, it's like the same lineup. It could hurt them. I think they're going to make a push. I think they're going to, they almost made it last year. I know they almost made a push last year, but I, I think the real Montreal lies somewhere between that, you know, horrific start where, I mean, it was shocking how bad they were. We all thought guard was going to get the sack because it was so unbelievable, but then they turned it around and they were one of the hotter teams in the league in the summer. I, I think they lie somewhere in the middle there. And that middle ground is a pretty mediocre place to be. In a, it's in a literally it's full of teams. Literally mediocre being in the middle, um, as opposed to figuratively. Yeah, yeah, you know, you're right in the middle. So, yeah, I do think they're a mediocre team, but there's 12 teams. Uh, so mediocre would put you about six or seven. All things considered, right? The the U the U S of the conference between Canada and Mexico again with the geography. Boom! Right there. So, uh, I yeah, I I don't think they're a top team. I don't think they're a bottom team. Whereas New England, I, I don't see an, an Ignacio Piatti, a Maxi Oruti, who's going to make things happen for them. They added Carlos Gill. Maybe he's the kind of guy who will be a spark plug. Uh, I don't know yet. I can't, can't say. But I, I've seen what I've seen from Montreal. They added Aruti, Um And I, I, I honestly think that this is... I mean, listen, if it wasn't for DC United basically taking the league by storm at the end of last year, they're in the playoffs. So I can see it happening again. Hmm. Uh, that's interesting. Well, the only other thing I wanted to mention about the fire was you know, uh, uh, the thing about we were talking about it before we started here. Elliot Collier and Raheem Edwards possibly going on loan. Collier makes sense. Somebody posted a Reddit comment, and I thought it w- was worth mentioning because it is absolutely hilarious that his first touch is what sank the Titanic. I could believe that his first touch is dire. Uh, but, I'm more worried about the dude's finishing. He gets in the uh, box. He looks we, panicked. That's not the Titanic. That's like that journey to the center of the earth movie where they literally had to like make the core of the earth nearly explode. Just Haven't seen save it. The earth. Haven't seen it. Don't I, plan on seeing it. Don't. It's not a very good movie. But anyway, the other thing I wanted to say was Raheem Edwards. Now, that didn't make a whole lot of sense to me because I'm like, okay, so they had this guy penciled in to play left back, right? Like, Or maybe even left wing back if they're going to play a back three. I am reading more. However, this makes more sense because when Emmett first told me this, I almost flipped out. Apparently he's injured, so they're going to loan him out for now, it seems, and then have him come back later, I think, is what the word is out there, which makes a lot more sense. But is, so I'm okay with this. But is worrying uh, for their fullback situation. They have, I think, I'm just going to throw it out there. I, I played a little fullback in my time. I'd sign you, given that they have Nico Hasler and Jorge Corrales there. And now I'm depressed again. All right, we're going to move welcome. on. We're going to go to the other side of the country in the West, though some teams not quite as West as others. We're going to start at the top now. Rather than give the uh, the 10-minute spiels and town hall meeting here, I, I think it might be a little easier for everyone if we just kind of go you know, spot by spot. So we actually agree on the first three. 
And it's Sporting Kansas City at number one, Seattle Sounders at number two, and then LAFC at number three. Now, for me, SKC tops it because right now they look amazing. That team has depth in so many positions that so many other teams would kill to have it. They have a DP who was supposed to be a very good player, not even like in contention for a starting spot right now. That's how loaded they are up front. We know how good their defense is. Even without their anchor and Ike Opar, it looks like things are going to be just fine with Andrew Fantas kind of taking over in his role and then just everything about that they have one of the best goalkeepers in the league now too one of the best home field advantages it looks to me like they're set up for a possible supporter shield run this year and i think that the the defensive move almost is a step up you have fontes pratt who's a la Mazia graduate joins with Ilya sanchez that's a chance for you know playing out of the back potential that maybe you didn't have with ike not saying he's bad at it but this guy is top notch uh he comes from a good level so yeah, I'm with you. Sporting Kansas City uh, should finish first. We'll see because the West is tough. The West is tough. It's a lot tougher than the East. A lot of mediocre teams, average teams in the East that kind of make each other look a little bit more evenly matched, whereas here it is a very tough conference if you're one of the average teams. So we had Seattle at number two. I think they're going to pick up right where they left off. I think that we're going to see them avoid sort of the slump that we've seen in years past. They're going to come out all cylinders firing. They have Raul Ruiz Diaz. They're going to get that, you know, a little bit of a boost with uh, with Morris coming back and kind of injecting a little bit of life into the attack that it already has a lot of. So that's pretty good. And then just to add to it, like I said, I think their defense continues to take steps up. I think Ramon Torres has been phased out completely. Now you're going to have guys like Kim Kihi playing back there. Top Chad name. Marshall. Top name that Kim yeah, Kihi. Top names, obviously. Brad Smith. At fullback. Top name that Brad Smith. Doesn't get more generic than that. I'm with you. I think you look at how Seattle started the past few years. If they start mediocre this season, then they win Supporters Shield. Well, if, this, if they start, I mean, like, listen, we were we were talking all through last year. I was like, Seattle's going to get a, they're going to finish third, man. They're going to finish third. You're like, oh, I don't know. I don't think they're going to pull it off. And they ended up getting a bye, right? They did, and now give yourself some credit. I'm pretty sure you said they were going to get a buy, and I said no. Come on. Uh, well, semantics, but the the point is they, you can never count them out. So even if they start poorly again, we're all going to remember. Don't count them out. Come on, you you know better. <laughs> yeah, we do know better than that. That's for sure. We again also agreed on LAFC number three. I, I think this is about where they belong because I, I I don't think that they're quite in that elite tier that Sporting Kansas City and Seattle have established. But I do think much like NYCFC and the other conference, they're still better than the teams below them. I, I Bob Bradley has proven time and time again that he is one of the better minds in the league. He's got an upgrade at left back in El Manier now. Oh He's my got, God! No, what did no. you just say? What He's did you? Up, I'm sorry. Is Muhammad El Manier not better than Jordan Harvey? No, I can't wait to see Muhammad El. I said this last week, last time. I can't wait to see the 35 year old Jordan Harvey displace the dude. How dare you? Oh, anyway, better than John Machino, better than Jordan Harvey, better than anybody else that played left back that I'm not remembering. This is the this guy. This is the time. guy who said that Munir was the best left back in MLS last year. I stand. He showed me a who just, scored of it, and I. I would, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Who scored? One of the most respected aggregating services in the world. I haven't seen this much fraudulence since I set up my fantasy team. That's nonsense. I'll just wait till we get there. So anyway, LAFC on its on its merits. I think the other reason I'm putting them here is because I do think that Diego Rossi takes another step in his progression. We saw flashes last season. I think he's going to be very good. Add to that another year of Carlos Vela. Probably some better striker play with either Christian Ramirez or Rodolfo Zendejas playing up top. And then, of course, you also have the second season well the first full season of Andre Horta who I think will also take a step up in his progression I think he had such a nightmare to start his last season that I think that now he's finally got a chance to uh to shine a little bit more yeah and I think we're gonna see Atu West to take over for Benny Failhaber defensive mid I was impressed when I saw him in I think as at 20 he's got a real knack for the game uh, and he's gonna be a star player this season there you go so now this is where our uh rankings take a bit of a dip so the next three teams we actually have the same teams but in a different order and actually no we don't never oh yes we do uh reading is difficult so i have and fundamental Portland, Real Salt Lake, and uh, that's debatable we'll argue that another time uh, portland 
I have Portland, Real Salt Lake, and LA Galaxy as four through seven, respectively. So, wait. No, three through six. My goodness. No, it's four. Four through six. Oh. Four through six, Eric. It's okay. Oh, four We're moving six. on. You have the <laughs> lovely Portland Timbers finalists, and I have Real Salt Lake, your favorite team in the league. Yes. Well, I've, I was actually very close to putting Real Salt Lake at four. So that should tell you, I really think they're going to be a good team this year. I just think that their defense is still not good enough to get them. They're going to have some nightmare games this season. I promise you. Our Real Salt Lake is going to have games this season where they score three or four goals and still don't get three points. That's completely possible, but I stand by them. I, I mean, listen, this is a team that had five players with over 10 goal involvements last year, and they added a DP forward. So they're going to have games where they give up three goals and get three points. So it's they're going to be really exciting to watch. They have really young back line that kind of get overshadowed by the union. Uh, two 24-year-olds in Justin Glad and Nick Besler. Two 21-year-olds in Aaron Herrera and uh, Brooks Lennon, who I know you're a fan of. And, of course, the 40-year-old Nick Romando back there to, to hold it all down. If they learn how to win a game on the road, once Petke figures that out, this team is going to be seriously dangerous. I don't think they are going to figure it out, but that's that's why they're not a top three team for me. No, no if, if Real Salt Lake had an average record on the road, they, they'd be dangerous. So you're right about that. Uh, like I said, I put Portland ahead of them just because I think Portland's squad is still better. I, just overall, I talked about it before. I'm very much on Portland now, but I am not on Portland next season and beyond, perhaps, depending on how their you know older players begin to age. But again, this is just about this season. Uh, to finish off six there, I was talking about the Galaxy. Getting rid of that dead weight in Gio DeSantis is basically a signing in and of itself. Uh, my God, what a I weight just, that's going to be off for them. I got them in the same I position know. as you. Uh, so we just have them flipped. Yeah, I mean, Zlatan. Okay, so they also uh, lose uh, Ola Kamara. So Zlatan is now the striker, which is where he thrives. It's going to be a big season for him. Even at 37, he's going to be massive. I'm sure the money was good on Kamara, and it helped offset the Giotto Santos you know, uh, thing. But, man, that's... I don't know if I like that move. I think Kamara was a great backup striker. And who knows if Kamara was willing to be that. You know, It's fair to think that he may have not been interested in wanting to be a backup striker anymore. It was clear that he and Zlatan on the field at the same time was just not the ideal way for them to play. Yeah, it just lowered the game around them, their defense, their midfield. Uh, they're going to need Zlatan as the main guy. That's where he thrives. Kamara's a good forward. Don't get me wrong. He would be a fantastic backup. Too good to be a backup. That's why he left. Uh, so then finally, fringe playoff, well, not fringe playoff spot. It's the new playoff spot for seven. I have Minnesota United. You have Dallas going in instead. That's I'm a toss-up between Dallas, Minnesota, and maybe Vancouver. Uh, Dallas, the, my problem with them, and why I actually, uh, I, I wrote an article recently and I flipped this, because they're going to be totally reliant on Dominic Badgie, who has yet to score more than 10 goals in a season and I think is a 13-goal season player at best to lead the lines. He's going to need a lot of help from Michael Berrios, who only figured it out halfway through the year, and Santiago, Santiago Mascara, who are still good wingers, but, you know, this isn't Carlos Vega, Vela and Diego Rossi. So I got some worries about them. I'm wondering how they ins- bring in the youth. I hear Paxton Pomical is going to be their new number 10. I love that name. Great. Top name. Kim Kihi, Paxton Pomical, Brad Smith, all on the same level. Uh, so... I, I'm going to switch them. I'm with you. I, the more Ooh. I think about Dallas, the more I think they're just not going to make it and that I think Minnesota is the team to do it. Well, until, by the way, that I get official confirmation from the league with an official statement and everything, Dallas is not roster compliant. They still got four DPs, and I demand someone present me documents that prove otherwise until then uh so then i have uh, houston just missing out at eight vancouver bringing it up at nine I, I think both teams will probably be around that seventh spot but i don't think they'll get there i'm not buying vancouver and i think houston's just as average as they are la- as they were last season uh san jose kind of goes back to the bottom i, I wanted to go to get them higher but the combination of the fact that their roster while better still not really all that impressive and the fact that there's already talks about uh just not good vibes coming out of the front office and manager you know where there's smoke there's fire i get that they could have just made these things up but 
I don't I don't like that. I don't like when that's already coming out. They haven't played a game, an official game yet, and there's already talk of Mateus Almeida wanting to walk out the door. So that's not a good sign. And then finally, bringing it up the rear, it's Colorado, who I think win the wooden spoon this year. Spoiler alert. Spoilers. Don't even need to watch this year. Uh, for me, just flip Vancouver and Houston. I mean, Vancouver is a darling pick for a lot of teams, but I'm not sold yet. Uh, they have two potential very good forwards in Freddie Montero and Joaquin Ardez. Uh Beyond that, I like John Arisa to offer stability and possession in the midfield. People are very high on Huang in Bayonne, but, you know, we'll see. I just, I still think this defense has some problems, and I'm unsure if they're going to be able to replace a guy like Kendall Austin um, and actually improve. So I think they're, you know, this is a downgrade for last year because they finished pretty well. It's about the same spot. So they're, they're a darling pick, but I don't think they make it. And I'm with, with you on the rest. I, I think. Um, Houston has some good pieces. Colorado added some stuff, but man, I, until Hudson does anything, I, I don't think they're well managed enough. Uh, there you have it. So that's those. We got the fourteen playoff teams. I'm sure it'll be a very exciting October, <laughs> which we're talking about here on March first. And we're also ready for who's going to win MLS Cup 2019? Emmett, I have ATL round two. Wow, the, the 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 repeat. Yeah, I think they do it. Um, so the real question is then: Does Atlanta do the double? No, I don't. I have because I have New York Red Bulls winning the East, um, Red Bulls or Kansas City. I think it's that, more that likely the double I was referring to. But all right. Oh, you mean with the um, with, with with the whole Concacaf Champions League? There's too many doubles. You could mean the U.S. Open Cup. I I think there's a good chance they win two cups this year. I don't think one of them is the supporter, the supporter shield. Interesting. Well, there you go. Atlanta certainly with a chance, though, to win four titles, though, right? Eh? Eh? Could be. The quadruple everyone's always been looking for. I, I love it. The quadruple? Oh, team. man. That's Toronto, too much for me. I, crazy enough, Toronto actually almost had it. Uh, yeah, but the year after. The year after. So let's. Okay, well, so who have, do you have then? <laughs> I have. I'm jumping. I'm all in on Sporting Kansas City. All in. Interesting. Uh, I just I think this is the year. I, well, not the year they've won before, but and Vermees has won before. But I I just think that this combination of players at this particular time, assuming that health is you know assured and that nobody that there's no you know crazy transfer moves in the summer, you know, because someone could call calling for a Johnny Russell, let's say, and that would impact them greatly. I just think that right now, as this team is assembled, it is the most complete team in MLS right now. Hmm. Interesting. I would argue Atlanta. I think Vermees though deserves uh, deserves himself another cup for what he's put together there. That, that and just that mid. I, I'm sorry, to, but like that midfield, they have four midfielders that would start on most teams in MLS. Uh, I definitely think they have the best midfield with Saint Ilie, uh, Espinoza, and Gutierrez. I agree. For me, this is the best midfield, and Kellen Rowe off the bench. Yeah, but isn't he? I yeah okay. If this team had a striker, you're going to see Christian Nemeth bag 15 goals at least because of the players around him. That, Even if that he doesn't, he had against uh, Toluca, like that was like, oh my god! If this, like, we're going to be doing this all season. This guy is this, this team is going to be like if they had a number nine, this team would be unstoppable. But like, you have Johnny Russell and Felipe Gutierrez who are going to pick up the slack, so I'm okay. I don't think it's going to be and, a problem. And, and you're also what if Johan Croze? Gets back in <laughs> Peter Vermees' good graces. Don't forget, he's still on the team. There's a designated Gerso, player. Gerso, a full season of Gerso, perhaps. I love Gerso in the playoffs. Give me more Gerso. We're going to slip to the other side, Graham though. Graham Zussi is going to score some Oh, my free God. Get, get away. <laughs> Graham Zussi at full back. Come on. Uh, left back is the biggest issue for me for them. You were uh, Before we started, you were talking to me about Seth Sinovich. Yeah. Seth Sinovich is a better left back than Mohamed El Munir. But well, clearly not. You don't clearly don't think too much of him. I, well, I, I, I don't. But I think he's better than him. We're gonna go to the other side. The wooden spoon. The Muhammad El Munir Award, as it was. Uh, uh, watch it. Okay. Don't be disrespectful. This one is tough, and I'm I'm flipping back and forth on this one. Was it though? <laughs> you think it's obvious? Uh, I mean, I already told everyone what I thought it was. So go ahead. You think it's Colorado? The more I think about it, the more I think that there's no easy games in the West. But on and the East, you know, Orlando will grind out some win. They're my pick, by the way. It's Orlando. They'll grind out some picks here and there. 
My problem is Colorado has that home field advantage playing in Denver. It's going to be tough going there, and I think teams are going to struggle with it. So I'm going with Orlando. I'm I'm sorry. I just I, like that's actually the well. I mean, not what you just said about the altitude, but when you talked about Colorado being in the West, the West is just so much more like there's so many more good teams that like their teams are just going to run them over at times. Like there's going to be stretches of the season where Colorado score like one goal in five games, and then they're going to allow like twenty. Uh, I think with their additions, they've gotten stronger, but their whole 11 was so weak last year that adding Kai Kamara and Diego Rubio and Keegan Rosenberry and Benny Failhaber isn't going to do all that much. You realize you named one defender, right? Exactly. I ex- And I think this is going to be a season that kind of ruins Benny Failhaber and he's going to retire. <laughs> yeah, he's, I don't know if he's going to like – he's not going to like Colorado too much. It actually wouldn't surprise me if Benny Failhaber – Found a way out of Colorado midseason. He's I, he could still be of use to a team. I think he could be in a, in a bench role, kind of you know not playing ninety every game. I think he could still have some use for a team, certainly. But it certainly doesn't belong on a Colorado. I mean, if they're that bad, he could only be a help. But I guess it'll be tough. We're gonna move on to individual awards, though. MVP. Who's winning MVP? I have Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Full season. He doesn't even need to play on turf. The dude's going to be stellar this year as a lone striker. Give me Petey Martinez. I think the guy's just going to come in and dominate. I saw a little bit of him in this Champions League debut, and I'm telling you, there's going to be games where that dude makes people look like they're standing still. He's the South American Player of the Year for a reason, and then he's going to be a bad, bad man in MLS. He's a bad dude. He makes Breck Shea look like he's standing still out there. Oh, wait, he was. Uh, well, anyway, you, your defender uh, of the year prediction. Leandro Gonzalez Perez, I think he's going to have a standout year. Uh, he didn't get enough recognition in my mind. Um, I thought it would be too easy to go with another Red Bull defender. They're going to be a great defense again, but I think that this guy deserves some recognition for how much he has to do to make Marco, Michael Parkhurst look good as that guy's getting older. So LGP is in a lot of work. So just for the record, I when we were talking about the Red Bulls, I was remiss in mentioning that I one of the things about them is like you know their elite talent is their back line, right? Right. Like we talk so I much about that earlier, their, right? Yeah, we we talk so much about well the offense, like is it really going to be sustainable? Like are they going to continue to score and you know by goal by committee basically? But then you like you have to remember that like you know for all the struggles they may have offensively sometimes. When your defense is as elite as theirs are, it makes it easy. Just like when you have an elite offense, it takes the stress off the defense a little bit because they don't have to be great. They just have to be average. The same does kind of go the other way. I'm worried that um, a great offense at times can isolate a defense. You see players who are just get burned for speed. If you're up all the time with possession, you're Atlanta, and you have Michael Parker's back, and suddenly he's got a race against... Um, I don't know who's a fast guy who they're going to be playing against this year. Uh, you know, Fafa Pico or David Akam or uh, Nico Frankowski. Oh man, I was gonna, I was gonna from Slaw Frankowski. Gonna give you like, uh, okay, yeah, and Frankowski. I think he's gonna, he's gonna get isolated. Nico Gaetan. There you go. That's what I was gonna use. But okay, here's your defender of the year. I'm just gonna get my groan out already. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, when the season is over. Mohamed El will be transformed by Bob Bradley into the best left back in the league. You heard it here first. Oh my God! I th- oh, oh oh my heart. <laughs> El Munir, El Munir, he's gonna be the best he defender. Was, he was the best left back in MLS last season. Wrong. So it it stands to reason that he will take another step under Bob Bradley with an actual defense behind him, mind you. Not whatever, not the traffic cones that Orlando City put in there. So uh, look, you can hate on Omanir all you want. It'll 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 be over soon. Don't worry. It'll be all uh, be over in ten months. Newcomer of the year, I, you know, <laughs> you were telling me like, well, it has to be Petey if I picked him for MVP, and you're probably right. It kind of has to be. I have Petey as so. well. I think he's. My only worry is that his production won't be as high. Uh, I think with Barco and Martinez looking like they're both going to be next to him. There's going to be um, some distribution of the uh, of the production, and he's going to take less of it. I do think he's good enough. So that's not enough to get him MVP, but I think he's good enough, absolutely, to get newcomer. No doubt. South American Player of the Year, you already said it. 
Uh, by the way, Mitrita, uh, with an honorable mention just for me, I do think he'll 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 find a way in the league. I'd, it may take him a little while, but I do think he'll be successful. I'd pick Fabian or uh, Gaetan over him, but uh, I, I I'm not sold on Mitrita yet until I see it. There you go. So we have, if everyone remembers our first episode last year, it was talking about who would get more goals, CJ Sapong or Dom Dwyer. I obviously won that one by a mile. Uh, so this season, we've decided to go back and get another one, another one that will span the entire season, and that is who will score more goals this season, David Akam or CJ Sapong? I thought Two this men was, who have traded spots. I thought this was the obvious pick. I mean, uh, Akam is a winger, but in the Union's new system, he'll probably have to play as a forward. Both will probably be backups unless they prove themselves worthy. Uh, the thing here is I don't think either of us has an actual pick here, but it's it's like going to a horse race without betting on anyone, and you're just like, I just want to see, I just want the horses to have fun. I just want to come and see Jason Basically, Pong Basically, we did fun. when we went, isn't That's it? That's exactly what we did, because uh, we did go to a horse race once. Google it. Where did, where did we go? Del Mar. We saw it. Ah, that was what it was called. Thank you. I was I was trying to remember it the other day. I was like, where did we go? We saw a very inebriated da- David Hasselhoff singing Bing Crosby. Uh, so that was something. Uh, wow. So that, that's going to be fun. David Akam, CJ Sapong. I don't think we're necessarily rooting for one or the other. Uh, I think it's just great that we swap teams or players like that. At, you know, The American Soccer Show Cup. Really, Rarely do these teams come together and make transfers with all the bad blood. Normally it was the Eric versus Emmett Cup in the American Soccer Show Cup. But this year, you know, there's a little bit more on the line. Uh, I also think Akam could be a comeback player of the year uh, if, he gets any, if he gets into a groove. Because he's, you know, he saw him at Chicago. He's pretty talented. <laughs> All right, so our dark horse picks for this season. I, I, I'm sticking with Minnesota. I'm only going to pick one. Minnesota, I've been saying it all season long. Watch out for this Minnesota team. They've got some defensive backbone in Icopara. They've upgraded their offense even more. I thought this is a bad, bad team, I think, that's about to take some people by storm with that new stadium opening up too. Stadium's going to be big. Uh I knew you wanted to get that out before I could because I also wrote Minnesota and you wanted to be the original. They also have Ozzy Alonso and Jan Greg as a defensive mid, uh, and they added a new right back. And they added a goalkeeper whose name is Vito. Never hurts to have an Italian named Vito. Hey, Vito, go deal with the forward. You got it, boss. <laughs> <laughs> they just need. It probably isn't. I don't know about that. The problem is I got Adrian Healy who's going to be giving the orders. He doesn't sound as tough. Uh, and then an, a thing that I made up, which uh, oh, I also picked Chicago for which my happens a lot on this show. By the we way, we make a lot of things up. I, I had Chicago as my dark horse in the East. I think they kind of returned to some winning ways this year, uh, but it's fifty-fifty. They Bold. it's either that or they are last in the conference. So I'm going to choose them as a dark horse. The thing that we made up was a dark mule, the team that's going to underperform. <laughs> I'm choosing New York City <laughs> under Dom Torrent. And Portland this year, having not made it. Hearing you say that out loud was so much better. Dark Mule? Than reading it. It sounds like a bad mixed drink, doesn't it? I uh, I wouldn't know about that. But yeah, it definitely sounds like it would be something bad. Uh, Maybe the next time I go to a bar, I'll order it and just have someone else drink it for me. It'd be interesting. Get kicked out, probably. Uh, yeah, that is actually very possible. You're right. I probably shouldn't do that. Uh, FC Dallas is my pick just because I, I... We've talked about it before. I don't see this team doing a whole lot. I think this is going to be a little bit of a transition. They're going to try to figure out what their new identity is because they say they're going with youth. I thought this team was pretty young already. So if you're transitioning to more youth, I do think it's going to take a little bit of time to kind of have them adapt to their roles. And I think that we'll see at times this season the growing pains that we saw a little bit of last season even where at times, you know, that team was one of the best in the West and then other times they're just getting bossed around by San Jose. Yeah, they dropped off at the end there. Uh, yeah, and they the only real youth piece that they're bringing in this year is Paxton Pomical, top name. Uh, so top lad. So we'll see how many more people get uh, get phased into the team or phased out. Yeah. All right. Quickly to the uh, Champions League talk because we all love our Concacaf Champions League with its made up anthem of these are sometimes the best teams. You know, we make things up here, and everything at some point was made up. So I think it's fair for us to do it. There you go. So Tuesday we had Toronto get eliminated by Independiente, which is just as hilarious as it sounds. Toronto not only got eliminated, but it got absolutely humiliated by this team. Yeah, I I have to give them a little bit of a pass because I know they went all the way to the final last year and just missed out by penalty kicks, even if it was some of the worst penalty kicks I've ever seen. Uh, Just I'm going to forgive them, but I hold grudges at the same time. So 
You're representing. You figure out how that. You're representing works. the United States, Toronto. I know you're in Canada, um, but you're representing the United States. They're, well, they're representing MLS. They're technically representing Canada in the competition too. I understand that they qualified for the, the Canadian uh, playoff system, Canadian Cup. It's fine. I stand by what I've said. I understand where they're from. This is not a geography lesson, Eric. This is fair. <laughs> All right, I will. I can live with that. Houston advanced. It's a little adversity. They had a little bit of a pushback from Guastatoya. The, the weather probably didn't help either. It was weird. Kickoff kept getting pushed back over and over again. So, Congratulations to Houston for not slipping up like I thought they might. Uh, Red Bulls dominated, as you would expect. That poor team from the Dominican Republic, whose season doesn't start till April, stood no chance. Now is where it gets good. Yeah, oh, Sporting KC. How about that? Just dominant. 4 nothing across two legs against Toluca. Uh, that, to me, is no small feat. It really isn't. I know Toluca have not been great this season uh, domestically, but that is a that is a very good team in my eyes. Remember last year. Regardless, Chi- to be getting beaten down that right. way. Sorry. Yeah, but I was saying, remember last year, Chivas wasn't doing great in the, in the league, and they won the finals. So uh, it doesn't necessarily mean form carries over in any given time. So good for Sporting Kansas help. City. Sporting Kansas City, I believe, is also responsible for the first ever sacking of a Mexican coach uh, for an MLS team. I don't know if that's a good thing, uh, but anything that's good for America is good for the world. And then finally, Atlanta United, after that kind of rough start in Costa Rica, turned it all around and just took it to Herediano. That first 10 minutes, like the commentator, I think at one point made the mention that it seemed like they were going for five, that they, like they needed five in those first 10 minutes. They were all over them. They almost got it. It was great to see. I, I tell you what, Atlanta make that temporary stadium look better than, a, better than a lot of people make their permanent stadiums look. They did play there for a while, and they filled they it did. up every time. They did, that time. is true. Uh, they are very good. So, Atlanta, I, I'm glad to see them move on. It would be really embarrassing if they didn't. And the scenes when Joseph Martinez did his Dragon Ball Z celebration and there's no Miggy to do it with him. All Atlanta fans shed a single tear. I'm, t- I'm tearing up a little bit, not just because Miguel's not there anymore. And, yes, it is now just Miguel. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm also very upset because anybody doing Dragon Ball Z uh, celebrations deserves to be praised. See, I thought you were on a uh, you know a good enough relationship that you just called him Miggy. Uh, see, you know, Miggy, uh, he was Miggy here, but over there he's Miguel. All right, I- I'm game. Okay, uh, so that leaves us then. Quarterfinals actually start next week, so don't think that you're getting any days off here. Uh, they start with, well, this isn't any particular order, but the first one, the big one, Monterey and Atlanta. So just to give you an idea, Atlanta obviously come into the season as one of the bigger favorites uh, to win MLS Cup again, like you have them predicted to do. And certainly, I don't think anybody would have them finishing outside the top three of the league. Monterey currently are second in Liga MX. They've yet to lose a game this season. That's pretty incredible in and of itself. Going to be on Atlanta to, I mean, it all comes down to kind of how they perform on the road. Because you go into how what Toronto did and get down 4 nothing on the road. Who oh boy, I think they're done. And that is going to be a, you talk about hostile environments, ladies and gentlemen, that is one of the most hostile environments they Atlanta players will ever play in. Good way for some of those young guys to grow up. Oh, Miles Robinson, if he's playing in that game, he's he's going to have to go through those growing pains all over again because he's never seen anything like that. So we're going to see it. I love that. I'm not sure the schedule's out yet. I'll have to check with the, or the producer. I'll have to check. But regardless, that's that's the one to watch if, you, if you're if you looking for suggestions. That's the one to look out for. Uh, Independiente, Sporting Kansas City. Kansas City should wipe the floor with Independiente like Toronto should have, but whatever. You know, but, they'll yeah. avenge. Toronto, if nothing else. Uh, Houston and Tigris. Now, going into this bracket draw, when I saw that this was, like, you know, the most likely outcome, I was like, ah, this isn't good for Houston. But honestly, now Tigris are number one in League MX right now. But Tigris so many times have kind of taken their foot off the gas. And in this competition, uh, more specifically. They're very, they're very much known for kind of taking this competition less seriously than they take the league. So just keep that in mind. Houston's not – Houston, it's like I said, Houston is actually very well built for this competition because of the Central American presence that they have. They are a very nasty team at times, and that is very helpful against a team like Tigres. Yeah, I'm – you know, you don't hear this often, but I'm hoping Houston just sits in, bunkers down, defends, and then unleashes – 
Elise Kyoto and Minotas on the counterattack uh, because that would be that's their best way of winning. You don't want to just be passing it around. You don't want Albert Elise Tiki Taka. No, no, no. This is their chance. There you go. Chance to make a statement here. They win this one. They could really do wonders for MLS. And finally, New York Red Bulls against Santos. This is another good one. Santos Laguna, as they're known, currently sitting in fifth in Liga MX. So it's going to be interesting. That's that's going to be a good one, too. It'll be a step up for the Red we'll Bulls after the last one. Those are two very evenly matched teams, I would say. And now there are four MLS teams, three Mexican and one Panamanian, uh, which is interesting. Yeah, I think this is, what, the third year in a row that a Panamanian side has gone to the quarterfinals? Yeah, third straight competition that there's been to the quarterfinals. So uh, safe to say Panamanian League has probably established itself as a solid number two in Central America. Eh, yeah, I think it deserves that. Costa Rica is up there, but Panama has done well enough. All right, it's the time of the show that we've been waiting for, though. We cha- I challenged Emmett, or Emmett challenged me. I don't know. He's been wanting to do fantasy it was definitely soccer for me. a little while now. All right. So we're going to list our lineups here just, you know, quickly, and then we'll just we'll leave it at that. We'll see who scores the most points. You ready? All right. Uh, we'll, you want we'll, you to go first? We'll go, like, go, uh, first? We'll go goalkeeper, both your goalkeepers and defenders, and yada, yada, yada. Okay. All right. I got Jesse Gonzalez and the Richard Sanchez. I have Luis Robles in goal and then his backup. Now, I I'm going to have to look up his first name because I don't actually know his first name, which tells you that I've gone very cheap with the backup goalie. I just figure Robles is just always going to play. And if he doesn't, then you got a backup in there. Not a terrible strategy, Eric. And for top defense. <laughs> I can't. You're going to have to give me some time. I legitimately have no idea what this guy's first name is, and I don't want to say. What's his last name? Just give us a last name. <laughs> oh, oh, dear God. I did not. Okay. So uh, this is uh, Eric Dick is my backup goalie. Eric Dick. For no particular reason whatsoever. Top name that Eric Dick. <laughs> Top name that Dick. Your defense. Defense. Uh, I got Reggie Cannon, Alejandro Fuenmayor, and... Another top name, Brad Smith. Okay. Uh, I've got Edgar Castillo. Oh, jeez. Aaron Long. Oh, jeez. Kim Kihi. Oh, top name that, Kim Kihi. And Mohamed El Munir. Mistakes. Mistakes all around. Uh, for subs, I have Waylon Francis and Kai Wagner. I've only got one defensive sub, and it's Jorgen Skelvik. Oh, my gosh. Top name that, Jorgen Skelvik, but not a top player. Top lad. My, my midfield. Vako. Demir Krylak. Georgi Mihailovic. And Molino from uh, Minnesota United. I have no idea what his first name is. Kevin. Uh, you're, ah, oh, I you did are know. in for some trouble, my friend. I got my boy Nico Lodero. Santiago Mosquera. And Maxi Morales. Eh. I'd say I'll be fine. Say what you will. Yeah, and finally up top, I've got Jordan Morris and Darwin Quintero. Yeah. Oh, by the way, my midfield sub, Breck Shea. Listed as a midfielder, not bad. Uh, but you're putting him a little bit of a, in a poo position, out of position. You played out of position backwards on the bench. That's exactly where you belong, sir. Say what you will, but I I know you did that just to spite me. Up top, yep. I got Zlatan and Joseph starting. <laughs> oh no, I just realized. Sorry, go ahead. And uh, Terrence Boyd. On the bench, uh, look six million. I have a feeling he's going to play a decent match. That's pretty cheap for a starting striker, so that's fun. My backup striker, and I just realized that this is probably not going to be allowed. Is Shelton Gashi? Good pick. You got someone who's <laughs> not even in the league, Eric, and you think you're going to beat me? Well, he's the backup striker. I'm just going to assume Morris is playing this week. <laughs> and you think you're going to beat me. Okay. Well, I'm going to have to find a new forward, I guess. We'll give Eric some time to figure that out. Uh, if you want to uh, play against us, we will be putting our uh, Fantasy League ID in the video description. Uh, video description? What? Are you, this isn't a video? What is my camera on for? In the description, we'll leave it there. Uh, If you feel like you think that we've been talking nonsense the whole time, feel free to make a league and join us. Uh, Hopefully, you'll be able to get one done in time for the league to start next this weekend. 
But uh, either way, you're going to lose. So it's it, it might not even be worth your time. I'm going to blow you out of the water. Wow, there you go. So we'll see. If I beat Emmett this week, I'm probably just not going to play again. So that's a fair warning for everyone. It's a marathon. And even if I don't beat... And even if I do beat him, even if I don't beat him, I'll probably just claim victory in some other way anyway, which is basically Muhammad El Munir got over two points, Emmett. <laughs> if Muhammad El, I swear, if Muhammad El Munir scores this weekend, I am, I am, I might celebrate it like I scored it. Just so you know, I am wholly prepared for that, and I would have done it to myself. I should captain. I if oh, who's your captain? There's lots on, of course. Oh, okay. Going against Chicago, come on. I captained uh, Quintero against Vancouver. Interesting decision. Can't say it's a bad one. Uh, we're going to move into the closing time, though. Uh, got some questions for you, Eric, here. So we have our four teams, Houston, Kansas City, Red Bulls, Atlanta, in the Champion Champions League. Who goes the furthest? Farthest? FYI, the last time this happened, uh, MLS ended up with zero teams in the semifinals. So just keep that in mind in case you were getting optimistic. Well, so who does the uh, best? If they all get knocked out, who do you think does the best at this point at least? So I'm looking at this. I think Sporting KC moves on for sure. I'm thinking Houston probably gets knocked out by Tigris. I think the Red Bulls can take Santos. And this, and that kind of changes things. Because the the problem with the, going forward from here is that the bracket kind of shifts a little bit. Because of... I, and I don't know exactly how this works, but I'm looking at it now. Apparently, when the semifinal round comes, the team's that play each other will be based on who won. Right. Am I reading you, this right? You play, for, you play against someone who won in the previous round. That makes sense to me. Ah, ah, no, it's because I'm trying to see. I think I'm getting confused <laughs> with the part. You know what it is? I'm reading it and I'm seeing the semifinalists. It's to determine who hosts which leg. I was confused. I was like, why on earth is this table here? Eric, what's your pick? And now my pick is I've been stalling, okay? I've been thinking, I know you've been stalling. I, I saw KC. right through it. Kansas City, I like that. Uh, I, I am also going Kansas City. I think Vermees is going to put a lot into this, and I think the other teams are going to... Red Bulls are... I appreciate you rushing me. I'm rushing you because I, this is like... it's This isn't like a thing that we're going to be competing with, like the fantasy. That one, take your time with. You need to make a lot of changes to that team. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> how, dare, how dare you? But this one, uh, yeah, I, I... Both my fullbacks will have an assist. Both. What is this? Liverpool, yeah. Andy Robertson, and Trent Alexander Arnold? And you can't compete with my uh, Demir Krylak inverted number six. I almost had him, but I'm afraid that with Sam Johnson, he's going to go back to six. Love the inverted six, though. Almost good as my decision to play an inverted goalkeeper, which you will see in the future. Next bit Ola Kamara is headed to China, as we mentioned earlier. Does this hurt or help Galaxy uh, losing a good four, but letting Zlatan roam free? I think it hurts them. In the sense that I I just don't think that... Who is the backup striker in L.A. now? Is it Jameson? He's on loan. Interesting. Because he is the person I picked to uh, replace Gashi. So I'm really really having a rough go with this backup striker. You shouldn't have told me anything. I, I shouldn't have given you any ideas. Well, I mean, it's not like it matters. If it's going to let me, it means nothing's going to happen. Right. Um, so I, I personally think it's going to help just because, listen, he's a good forward. I think he helps any team where he's the striker, good poacher. But listen, there's no use having a poacher and a target man, I think, in the same lineup. We were talking some about this recently. Uh, the tactics have changed. The number 10 has kind of gone out of uh, favor. And instead, it's kind of a second forward kind of guy. Uh, and I, I think that this allows the Galaxy to play around and allow Alessandrini maybe maybe Sebastian Legette. So I think the Galaxy actually improved from this uh, long term. And last one, does Toronto crashing out help their chances to have a decent league season this year compared to last year? I I, I actually think it does a little bit. I I know that I'm like I'm holding a grudge and I'm going to yell at Toronto the rest of the season. Like I did Dallas last season where I was like, yeah, Dallas is having a good season, but remember when they lost to Toro? They deserved it and they're going to they, Toronto's going to get the same treatment, but I'm with you, I think. That they're no longer gonna have to be playing like you know their second, you know TFC two. But I don't agree in that this isn't gonna bring them back to uh, their previous levels. 
this will give them more, I think, more focus, if nothing else. Last season, I think part of what happened was, like, it is hard. It is an underrated thing. The teams here in this con- on this continent have still not figured out, specifically here in the U.S., how to go about playing on two different fronts. It's hard. It's not as easy as the teams in Europe make it seem. That's years and years of, you know, figuring out how to prioritize and figuring out how to get players and how to establish rosters that can handle playing in multiple competitions at the same time. I think that's a, still a fairly new concept for teams here so it is going to take time to figure out what works and what doesn't especially when environments are so different from country to country in europe let's be honest with ourselves there's not a whole lot of like like sometimes you have to travel a little further than you'd like but in europe you're not going to like ten thousand feet above i don't know how far above sea level it is i'm sorry if ten thousand feet's absurd it probably it's is. very absurd but, that's higher than <laughs> okay that's like mount everest levels of <laughs> Uh, but I know I, right. I, I get your point. Uh, I think the traveling on the in the Western Hemisphere is very different. That's a completely different challenge that no one's really figured out yet. Whereas you know if you're going from Germany to France, like uh, yeah, right, you might as well. That's that, that's easier than going from East Coast to West Coast. That's easier than there, that's easier not, than Orlando playing like Portland. A, there's not like a major Italian team that you're having to play that plays in the Alps, for example. I mean, they're pretty close, but it's not the it, it's not the elevation that you're specifically mentioning. Um, also, MLS has a lot more uh, mid-week games compared to like the Premier League. Uh, they they do that all the time. Uh, to be fair, the Premier League also has two cups. MLS only has one. Right, that's fair. Um, and there's four more games. Okay, we could keep going on with this, but I think the midweek games make it tougher in MLS because it, happen- well, it happens and, and, all the time. And let's not also discount the fact that the U.S. is basically the size of Europe. Yeah, exactly. Well, that was my point. Like, it's some of these travels travels are harder in MLS than the Champions League is in Europe. Uh, the point is that um, I don't know where, exactly where how we got to that down this road, but uh, I'm gonna leave it at that. All right. That's good because it's time for and something that I completely forgot to write down, but it's fine because I've got it right here in front of me. It's it's back. Season's back, and that means it's time to talk about national TV games. Ready? Hit, lay it on me. I'm ready. Wait, wait, hold on. Ex- okay, now go. Okay. All right. 2015 expansion derby, Orlando City, NYCFC going head to head 2:30 p.m. on Univision Deportes. So your fix of MLS in Spanish is back on Univision Deportes and Univision case you don't want to pay for cable and then at 8 p.m eastern the la galaxy hosts the chicago fire what we did to deserve a national tv game on the first weekend of the season i don't know not about you mate it's about zlatan um schweinsteiger helps but uh yeah that, that's gonna be fun i'm gonna be watching the game in spanish because i'm trying to learn i threw out some insults to eric the other day i called him a table in spanish so he called me a table and I, you know, I saw him at using Duolingo and uh, when we were living together in Los Angeles and I was, I was intrigued. And so the other day I actually started using it again to brush up on my Spanish since my current work now requires me to, uh, you know, use a little bit more Spanish around the workplace than I'm used to. So, you know, that's fine. I used it to brush up on the Spanish and now that I've completed the tree and got my certificate and everything, I decided to pick up on French. This is not a Duolingo ad. They're not paying us. Maybe they should. Man, we've been going about our business plan all wrong. And finally, on Saturday, by the way, three. This is uh, Seattle Sounders hosting Cincinnati. So Cincinnati's first game in MLS gets on national TV on FS1. So it's, oh, by the way, I don't know if I said it for the other one, but both of those on FS1 this week. Right. It means our return of John Strong missed that guy. Missed him a whole bunch. I know he was at the January camp, but that doesn't count. Uh, then Sunday, DC United hosts Atlanta United. That's going to be a big one, 6 p.m. Can't wait. Preview of the Eastern Conference Finals? You're getting a bit ahead of yourself, but absolutely. <laughs> I agree with you. Going to happen. 8.30, 8.30 p.m. Also on ESPN, LAFC hosts Sporting Kansas City. Preview of the Western Conference Finals? Now you're getting ahead of yourself, but I totally agree with you once again. It's going to happen. Right down. So that's... That's the season's gonna end the way it started, which I mean poetry in motion. Uh, speaking of poetry, I love that wrestling move. We, nope, no. nope. This is the American Soccer <laughs> Show, and it's all the time we have this week. Don't forget to subscribe to us and check out p- past episodes. I, I always say this, but again, I don't really understand it. Uh, don't forget to uh, find the description for the league invite. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Google, 
Spotify, Stitcher for all your American soccer needs. Make sure to leave us a review and let us know what you think. Until next time, I'm Emmett McConnell alongside Eric Alcantor, signing off.